0: Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. The gray Hospital.
1: To another episode of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host today, Amy Nelson, and joined with me are Lee Hutchison and Richard Marquez. Hi, guys.
0: Hello. Hey. Hello, Amy. How are you? Welcome back.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I have been gone for a couple of weeks, so it's nice to get back talking next generation. Um, Before we do, I just wanted to uh, talk to you about an email that we got and was happy to receive it from Brad. And he says, let me preface this by saying you guys are doing a great job. It seems that all of the crews have hit their limits, and I'm glad to hear you taking up the Earl Grey mantle. As Captain Kirk said at the end of Star Trek 6... This this ship and her history will shortly become the care of another crew. We appreciate your email, Brad, and welcome all of you listeners to send us an email or talk to us at the Babel Conference. And we're very happy uh, to talk next gen and anything Star Trek you would like to say. Well, today we are excited to continue our series of unsung episodes where, where we will look at each season and talk about those episodes that get overlooked by the obvious great episodes of each season. Today, we are going to cover season two, which many fans only seem to remember Dr. Pulaski, but there's so much more than just the absence of Dr. Crusher. So uh, before we start, I just want to get your opinion, guys. Um, do you prefer Dr. Pulaski or Dr. Crusher? Lee?
0: Uh, Dr. Crusher, hands down. Um, Dr. Crusher was like my childhood love. And um, yeah, she will always hold a special place in my heart. I found... Pulaski. like I was, Data was probably my favorite Star Trek character ever as a kid, and Pulaski's attitude to him was very annoying, and um, and I was a bit defensive about Data in comparison to what she was saying. So yeah, it's it's definitely uh, Doctor Crusher for me.
1: All right, well, uh, I think we're gonna hit that a little bit more later, Richard. What uh, doctor do, you do do you prefer?
2: As a child, Crusher. But as an adult, Pulaski, oh, because <laughs> you know it, it Crusher killed everyone. Well, no, not killed. It killed everyone. You, someone died, and it, yeah, you always get that uh, <laughs> that she's whatever she's on. You're she's in the sick bay, and you're in there with her. You're gone. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, but I mean uh, overall it was a good choice to you know have, have Pulaski on because I actually like a lot of the I forgot some of these episodes when when I rewatched some of these and I really wish she would have came back as a guest or something like that or maybe she was on an outpost and the enterprise happened to you know uh, save her or help her or whatnot but you know, oh well yeah so what do you think <sighs> uh, which one do you like or prefer?
1: Um, I prefer Crusher. She just was the one that, you know, started the show and I liked, uh, her interplay with Picard the best. Um, so yeah, I, I prefer Dr. Crusher, but I love Pulaski too. She does a great job and, and does fill in that, uh, older motherly good doctor role. So, yeah. All right, well, let's dive into season two and tell our listeners why they need to revisit some of these episodes. Since we're highlighting episodes that don't normally receive recognition as being good, we have agreed that no one will include Measure of a Man A fan favorite. Each of us has a list of their top three episodes and we haven't shared them with each other. So we're not sure what each other's going to say, but I'm very excited. This was a very hard task uh, because in my opinion, there are so many great episodes that people need to revisit. Uh, So let's start. Richard, tell us one episode that you think uh, people need to revisit.
2: The child. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <gasps> <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> really? Because I almost put that on my list. No. Uh, 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 uh oh.
2: Yeah. Honestly, I didn't. Uh, I I know the uh, the typical response for the child. I think it was a terrible episode. Period. But. Um, not because of what others have said about it, and consider it as a rape story, and I don't consider it as a rape story. I just think it's a terrible episode altogether. Um, but uh, it was a
1: well, terrible I will story respectfully disagree because I
2: like the story. But that's that's just me. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll edit that. I don't want to. <laughs> So my first one is peak performance. Um, I absolutely love this episode. It's one of the very first ones that we really hear that oh the you know Starfleet's not a military organization yet you know they have weapons enough to decimate planets and stuff like that. Um, And it's just and it's it's purpose is exploration according to Picard. So um, and it's just you you hear I, I think this story is you you get to see more of Picard as I guess as a, as a tactician and you know you see that interplay between um uh Riker and Picard more and it it's it's just a lot of banter um I think it's more of a more of a fun episode for them to I guess get to know each other more and on top of that Lieutenant Burke who is also Aaron Pierce from 24 is on this and I absolutely love that <laughs>
0: yeah definitely he pops up i think he pops up in every single tv show ever
2: most definitely so that's also icing on the cake
1: (laughs) yeah i like peak performance and that was i just i wanted to put it on my list but i thought oh I, i bet one of the guys will put it on their
0: list so yeah I've just scratched it from my list there and uh, yeah I, I picked it as well obviously I, I try and pick my choices for something obtuse about the episode and the reason i picked that is actually similar to what richard picked for one uh, once so we're in we're in sync for once i i think the idea that it's showing starfleet as sort of moving away from kind of a peacekeeping armada and the war games exercises is an, is an interesting step towards kind of the military like, the militarization that we see of em um, in star trek that kind of creeps in here and there we'll see it in the undiscovered country in a few years time into deep space nine um and i think that's an interesting stepping stone to show that it's not all just peacekeeping yeah in this 24th century
1: awesome all right well lee give us uh one of your picks
0: Yeah, um, I'm gonna come out of the, uh, come out of the pitch uh, swinging. That's what they say. Is it baseball? Is it? Oh, I'm gonna come out swinging. Um, I'm gonna go with Shades of Grey. Shades of Grey is an atrocious episode, uh, hands down. But in 729 episodes of star trek getting from there to here it's the only clip show so it's an enigma in itself um i think shades of gray is is pretty awful but i think the fact that they made a clip show makes it quite interesting that we've got hundreds of episodes and hundreds of episodes of star trek where we see them going off and exploring strange new worlds and the idea that Star Trek is this, you know you can dip into episodes and you think oh it's a bit dated of its time and I think the clip show is just one of the most dated concepts and what I find bizarre is that this episode wasn't maybe just moved around in the schedule to being say the penultimate episode of season two and then peak performance the final episode kind of going on a high you you punched him up you dusted him up or whatever it is and um, instead they decide to go with the clip show and I find that really quite fascinating that this is a decision bizarrely that they went this is what we're going to finish season 2 with this is going to be our big exit for the season and I think t- to see how Star Trek would do kind of a clip show that we, we see all these dramas and Stargate you know I thought it did quite, them quite well See how Star Trek does a clip show because they're never going to do it ever ever again, and the fact that it was such a disaster makes it quite interesting in that respect as well. Because Weapons Fit went quite well and they were able to integrate it well, and make an interesting story. Would we have seen kind of other clip show episodes when it comes to doing filler episodes? Maybe. Um, I think the fact that it was such a disaster plays an important kind of milestone in the future of Star Trek to come. And yeah, it's it's certainly worth giving it a watch for that kind of historical purpose and the uniqueness in the Star Trek canon that this is the one and only time.
1: Well, I have shades of grey on my list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fifty shades of grey all around it.
1: Um, and I, I liked it. I never thought of it as such a terrible episode. I thought we get to relive. They have 17 different clips, 17 episodes from the past two seasons. I mean, this is your walk down memory lane. Um, and what what i like about it really is the the thought process that goes into it so normally you're thinking well in in society it's like ooh the feel good you know thoughts that that's what's going to cure you you know oh you need to stay positive and da 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 and that's what no it flips it and says all right we need to get these bad feelings these negative emotions and that's what's going to overcome this virus thing that's spreading And so I like that switch that you're, now you are recognizing that these negative thoughts and feelings have a place. And I think it makes for, you know, someone who's, you know, thinking about it, it's like, yeah, you need, you have positive and negative and there's reasons for it. And so I think that they did a good job in recognizing uh, these negative feelings and recognizing them as good and that we have them and that we use them.
0: Do you want to know a really bizarre bit of trivia about this episode? What's that? Um it, in the UK, like on the back of the like Star Trek videos, like they always have like an image. It could be just like a picture of Picard on the bridge or whatever. For some bizarre reason, the episode picture on numerous on three different VHS that have shades of gray on it. It's like a picture of Troy and Pulaski And they decided to make it black and white For some reason It is literally in shades of grey <laughs> nice. I have no idea Why Why anyone went That's what we're going to do with that We're going to make it black and white Like I have no idea what they were thinking Behind the scenes there Um. So yeah that's a a bizarre one.
1: I was reading that um, the original title was going to be Riker's Brain. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Spock's
2: Brain. It is right? compared Don't to that. That would make a good yeah. double
0: bell. <laughs> Why don't we get like here at you know Trek FM Base Camp? Let's get a few beers, get some hot dogs on the go. We'll get we'll get the standard orbit guys over, and we should do a podcast where we do a double bill of talking about Spock's brain, oh. and then the unofficial Riker's <laughs> brain. You guys up for that one day? No, oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have a cook. We'll have a co- well, It'll be this the Trek FM cookout. So is <laughs> that Ken? Come on, come come on over to our place. We'll uh, we'll get the hot dogs on and. Um, Considering how pretty poor some of these episodes are, we might maybe want to have some bleach as well next to the punch.
2: (laughs) Well, hot dog, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: I like that idea. (laughs) Well, we will make it so. All
1: right. Well, now that uh, that one is off my list, I will give another one. And this is my number one. I remember season two for this episode and it is loud as a whisper. I love this episode. I'd, first of all, it's a good Troy episode, so we all know how I enjoy Troy episodes. Um, but I, there's so many different things, so I'll try and talk fast. So I really like the idea that you are having a chorus speak for you. Like there's going to be so much... Uh, less misinterpretation, like if my passion person is speaking, then you know where my thoughts are. Or if my um, logic is speaking, right? And then I love the idea that they have this female character is the one that binds the two passion and logic together. I thought that was a very nice touch there. And I just think, man, there would be so much less confusion and miscommunication if there was was a certain sign or a certain person that was speaking and saying, All right, this is how I'm coming at you. So there's not there's gonna be less misinterpretation of it. So I love that about um the idea of this episode.
2: Right. And I actually like this episode too. It's not on my list, but I actually completely forgot about this episode. But it's it's definitely one of my favorites. It definitely uh uh, personifies the importance of communication, uh, even among uh, languages that are uh, completely different from uh, from each other. You know, that's funny because I was actually reading an article not too much, not too long ago, about how English is considered has more racism towards uh, towards things in uh, on descriptions and stuff like that, whereas other languages are uh, more. It, I really didn't read it the whole way through, but I mean, it. But it was a very interesting article. What I read because I was, you know, trying to speed read. Three read. I'm sorry. I was trying to speed read through it and uh, just go. I was doing other things as well. But like, yeah, it's definitely. It definitely makes. It definitely, this episode definitely made it important that communication is far more important and it takes time to get your point across and make it right. So.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, my minor is communications. And so when I uh, ran a communication class in, in middle school as an elective, um, I showed a part of this. And then, you know, we had the discussion of, okay, so what if I'm, you know, talking with this intention? And so, you know, what, wouldn't it be great if we could just hold up a sign and say, all right, I'm mad at you and this is what I'm saying, you know, or, you know, I am love you and this is what I'm saying type of thing. I, I find it just a very communication wise, a, a great episode. But I love, as, oh, Lee?
0: As As the resident counsellor of Earl Grey, (laughs) um, it is is an interesting kind of argument because I think the the reason it obviously works so well you've got these different characters kind of highlighting the different emotional states, whereas all of us humans, it's all kind of... We're so full of contradictions that, you know, you can be totally, like, in love with a girl or whatever or a guy, whatever, and um, you you may want to kiss them more than anything but then there's that part of you inside that's fear as well like what happens if i touch the hand or what happens if i go going to kiss them and i'm rejected that all these things just are constantly clashing with each other you know that flight or fight um the thing is in all in our heads and you know and the, the idea that we could separate it out and make it nice and clean uh, is is just would be so so amazing Um until then I think we're just going to be constantly uh, competing with uh, different emotions in our head to get the dominance of the in, in those moments yeah
1: yeah and I like how um Troy I mean she does play pretty uh, important role in this episode. And she points out uh, when Reva loses his chorus, the, you know, well, can't you turn this negative into a positive? And then that whole idea, and then she's so smart because, you know, Reva, here he is ultra confident, has this ego, and she just plays right into that ego and says, well, I'm going to go down and, you know, try and get the ceasefire to continue and to, Mediate between these two, and it just plays right into Riva's ego, and it's like you can't do it, and so it sort of forces him to step up, and you know to make turn that negative into a positive. And I, I appreciate her role in that; she does a great job.
0: I think it's such so violent the death as well of the uh, the chorus. It really is like for Star Trek, it's uh, it's pretty pretty X rated. <laughs>
1: yeah so yeah that's my first pick loud as a whisper lee
0: yeah my next one is emissary benjamin cisco arrives at deep space oh oh no, no. series the Chortle, the the emissary um yeah it's probably one of my favorite episodes of season two and um The reason I kind of have picked it, not necessarily because it's a really enjoyable episode, um, and it's pretty well loved anyway, but I think the idea that it really is kind of continuing to build the Wharf storyline in an interesting way, that we now have kind of Kalar brought in, and it really continues to build and flourish the Worf character that we now have this kind of emotional investment for Worf where until just now we've basically seen him kind of lusting over kind of a Klingon uh, women that are imaginary and um, fighting creatures on holodecks we're now getting an idea of what it was like to grow up as Worf and how how that has kind of influenced his attitude to life women relationships and kind of career and i think that's going to continue at a pace that probably my favorite episode of the next generation um depending on which day of the week is um is probably reunion and like if you don't have reunion doesn't pack the same emotional powerful punch without this episode and i think then into reunion and episodes before that we're starting to build into the Kitamar arc the deception with the romulans everything just kind of this seems to be a real kind of ground zero for the wharf character that season two seems to have kind of plenty of episodes like this, Um, you know we meet Riker's dad and we're getting more kind of that natural season two of what are these characters pasts and where are they going and I really think this is such a a critical episode in Worf's development and I think Kalar is just a brilliant spunky character um, and a brilliant companion to Worf I mean she just isn't (laughs) buying into his Klingon nonsense whatsoever Um, and I think there's a lot to enjoy here and I think it is definitely a, a critical and important episode in the development of Warf. If we, if we don't have this one, f- future episodes, you know, there's no, this is where Alexander was born and well, um, conceived. Yeah, a conceived. Lot to, yeah. Conceived. Yes. <laughs> conceived. Yes. Yes. Conceived. Um, I, oh yes. I'm the resident council. I'm not the resident doctor. Oh, right, right. Um, so yeah, it's a, so it's a, it's a, a real important episode all around, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I actually enjoy that episode a lot. Uh, that was that didn't make my list. Uh, there was another one, but we'll discuss that next.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to put uh, the emissary as well, but I knew Lee would uh, include this in his list. If you remember our Q and A episode a couple months so ago, mention Lee mentioned that Susie Plaxen was his favorite. Uh, secondary character. I joined in, but I was too late, so... So yeah, I also enjoy the emissary. I think yeah, Susie Plaxton does a fabulous job, and I like the interplay between Worf being full Klingon yet raised by humans, and then here we have Kalar, who's half Klingon and half human. And so those parts, you know, that they they clash so well together. I, that's the best way I can put it. I I like
2: those two. It, it kind of reminds you of another character, doesn't it, Bilana? Oh!
1: <laughs> oh, from a whole nother series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you should watch Voyager then. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that is a great pick, Lee. Richard, give us another one.
2: So I chose uh, a very a before M, uh, before MSR even uh, uh, airs, uh, a Matter of Honor, and that's basically Riker serves as an exchange officer in the in a, on a Klingon warship. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I love the banter that happens on on board the Klingon um, ship. It's just... It's so much fun to see another side uh, of the Klingons. Because, you know, you would think that... Okay, so... Yes, I, I know everyone knows that I was in the military, yeah, yeah, yeah. so um but like, you know, you have that hardcore, you know, everyone's in that mentality that we're gonna go to war sort of thing, but you got to have a downside and a sense of humor. And that's what I love about this episode because it reminds me so much of the banter that I had when I was in the military, and it's it, some of the jokes are just, yeah, it's something I would say too. So <laughs> that's what I love about this episode.
1: Man, you've got another one on my list. You guys are still in my thunder.
0: (laughs) It was nearly on my list, but I knew Richard, uh, sorry, G.I. Marquez would have picked it, so I avoided it.
1: Yeah, this is a great Riker episode. Um, I really like how it shows how he keeps his loyalty with the Federation as well as his new loyalty with serving on the Klingon ship. And I love the way that uh, the captain of the Klingon ship tests him and, and he doesn't fall for it that's really really good and yeah like you mentioned we get to see the klingon culture completely different we're introduced to their food and that gosh,
2: right oh, i'm a, not
1: used to it alive
2: yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah exactly that's that was the joke on every time okay all right here we go we're gonna, ta- we're gonna we're gonna since you went there we're gonna talk about it so when when they say it's like i'm not used to it uh, alive it's like would you like to try something easier maybe one of the females could Breastfeed you. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> Every time I, I had to show that to Jennifer, and obviously it was a it. Her response was straight. (laughs) And I'm like,
1: no, it's it's so good. Yeah. And God
2: bless the 80s. Like you're
1: saying, like we see now Klingon laughing and having fun. And that brings like their ship is their family. And so there's such similarities, you know, I, I just love it. And we get to see women serving, you know, as warriors and stuff like that. So for introduction of the Klingon culture, it's a great, great episode. And I like also the idea, like, and this has hit me too. Like when Mendon, or is it the other guy? <laughs> you know, that guy. The one that Wesley confuses, Mendon. This is so
0: racist towards the blue. I
1: know, right? They all look the same to me. That's what I think when I see Wesley. (laughs) Anyway, so he's learning the protocol of the Federation, and for me, that just really clicks because you've got to know when to change protocol and when you're in different situations and what you need to do. And for me, like I've I've been a teacher in three different states and with countless districts and each time that I change, you know, it's like, well, I think I know what I'm doing. I'm a good teacher, but now I have to change how I do things because I'm in a different situation. And different so that priorities. just really spoke to me. Uh, is that, cause it's like, yeah, there's some things that, you know, some schools, you know, focus on anyways. So I thought that was a really good episode to highlight the differences in, in the, the way that people serve across the federation
2: right and you and you bring up a good point about that it, it's def, it definitely uh because i i noticed it with uh with uh, with the military as well i mean different different units have specialties on uh when it comes to like what kind of where they what their missions are for that specific area and it's the same thing and it's like oh it's not no 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 no, we don't do the same thing there or where you just came from you got to change your way of thinking and yeah it's crucial to um i guess adapt yeah yeah and surviving right exactly
0: and 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 begins the Rob Bowman Brian Thompson partnership that will extend through many many episodes of the X Files. Brian Thompson, who plays the Klingon, uh, ends up playing the alien bounty hunter in uh, the X Files, and Rob Bowman becomes one of the directors and residents on the X Files as well. So, it's the start of a beautiful friendship. Indeed. All, All right. right who's next.
1: Um, I will go. Well, now that you guys have taken two of mine, good thing I have honorable mentions to talk about. So I will go to those. So one of my honorable mentions is elementary Dear data. And I like this, which is funny, Lee, you mentioned why you don't like Dr. Pulaski. I like the fact how she treats Data. It's so different than the rest of the crew. And yeah, it's not very nice. She's treating him like a machine. And that perspective, I think, is very unique because everyone else in the crew is just treating him like as a human and he's not. And so that contrast, I really appreciate seeing uh, Pulaski and Data. Interact. So I chose it for that um, reason. And I also like elementary deer data because you're looking and you're trying to discern the difference between what makes a hunch versus a calculated outcome. Because in the Sherlock Holmes, oh, th- this is the Sherlock Holmes episode. Um, Dr. Pulaski's like, well, you didn't solve anything. You just put together these themes from previous books that you've read and deducted it that way. Well, isn't that what an instinct is? Isn't that what a hunch is? And Aren't they the same? And so I like seeing that interplay between those two pieces that we have to deal with in our life.
0: As someone that has visited the real, well, the real, the real Baker Street M, um, as it were, um, uh, this episode always brings me a lot of joy. And, um, like, it always reminds me, like, um, there's... Like, obviously Baker Street is a real street. And then there's this place where... This building which is dedicated to Sherlock Holmes on that street. And you go in and it's got... um all these letters that people have submitted or like posted to the address um, it can be people from all around the world or people that have genuinely thought Sherlock Holmes is real um, like asking for his help or like young kids going people have said you're unreal like posting it it's almost like a kind of Santa's grotto for, for this letters collection and this episode just always makes me think of that book in that building it, it gets me every time
2: yeah, I yeah he yeah it I, I actually like this episode a lot. It's it didn't make my list, so I'm glad it I'm glad it didn't get robbed <laughs> on the list. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, yeah it, it, watching over this uh, this episode, he kind of uh, would ruin a a mystery dinner party because uh, yeah I I couldn't imagine something like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good episode
1: alright Lee give us uh, your third and final pick
0: yeah it's the final countdown um, Samaritan's Snare um, this is the moment I'm really? expecting you to go for for god's sake you've picked the card um, yeah Samaritan Snare nailed on easy choice for me um, important for two reasons first one the pack lids are hysterical I quite find them funny quite funny um, they remind me of my brother and, <laughs> <laughs> it's alright <laughs> as if he listens to a star trek podcast um, no i i think the Pat guides are quite funny but um the reason i picked this episode is kind of kind of similar with them um, with emissary is like the, the the i don't know you could you could argue what the a or the b plot really is in this episode i think they kind of more go with the Pat lids as the dramatic action thing um and it's less so kind of focused on picard you know kicking around a shot with wesley but you don't have this episode. You don't get potentially one of the greatest episodes of Star Trek of all time, Tapestry. Mm. Um, and I know, I'm sure, a lot of people are now nodding their head, going, "Oh, well, maybe, maybe Samaritan's sm- Snare deserves another chance." This is the episode that drops in Picard's heart problems and you know what kind of led to that moment, and we see a totally different side to Picard. And similar to a lot of episodes in season two, we're starting to get a lot more character growth and development. And the idea that Picard has this artificial heart, that this stuffy old french captain french um as if um (laughs) captain um you know had this rebellious streak as a kid that he wasn't always the picard that we kind of probably had this image of in our head and um i think it really is quite interesting that you know once maybe that's an episode for another day a double bill of samaritan snare and uh, tapestry and i think that you know episodes like tapestry kind of thrive on character development kind of being dropped in here and i think star trek too often um you know you look at the original series and the amount of times little kind of things we mentioned about the characters and it would be never brought up again the idea that this little kind of nugget and it really is barely ever mentioned again until season six but it shows kind of the depth that the next generation can go to and that the writers can kind of go with in the future like it's just something that's a bit of a throwaway line a bit of development and then it gets expanded into its own amazing episode in like four years time and I think Samaritan Snare you know despite the kind of the stupid hysterical whatever (laughs) combination whatever whatever option you prefer um, a plot there's something really serious going on behind the scenes in the B-plot, and I think it really is just, you know, n- we don't get this. We don't get one of the best episodes of Star Trek. You, you know, you got to take the there for the smooth sometimes.
1: Agreed, agreed. I, too, like Samaritan Snare, definitely.
0: When you said that it's a story that leads
2: up to Tapestry, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, we definitely need something like that, and I, I don't know if they had an idea or were developing a story like that, but, yeah, it definitely... Yeah, it's on there now. So, yeah.
1: Well, and you don't want to underestimate anyone either. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They want to go faster. Don't we all? Isn't that a story for life itself?
1: (laughs) It is.
0: (laughs) We like things that go. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of go, what's your choice, (laughs) Richard?
2: Um, I like this episode mainly uh, because it's it's a data story, um, <laughs> but I um, I'm, I chose penthouse. Uh, data makes contact with a young girl in a pre-war civilization, and they're facing annihilation. So one of the th- one of the things I really love about this it's obviously a prequel to Who Watches the Watchers. Um, obviously, it's it's a little bit it's it's a. Uh, more of a dilemma uh, because it deals with a child, and um, really it's a it, it's a test of the prime directive, and that's what I really love about it because, yeah, it's the innocent of a child who's who wants to be saved and wants to be helped, and it's like, which do you choose, the prime directive or? the child. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a child that, that that's asking for help. And how could you not say, yes, we're coming to he- we're coming to uh, save you versus yeah, letting is, them die.
1: is it a call for help? That's part of the debate and discussion that they have.
2: Right, right. Exactly. And it's it's just a, it's very it's a very I mean, it makes sense on uh, on the arguments uh, that that when they have their little roundtables of the seniors. And it's just it's just one of those stories that i I, i'm like a lot of this there are a lot of stories in tng where i'm like okay whatever i can skip over this but throughout the whole entire episode this is not one of those episodes i can do that with because it's a lot of it's important
1: well there goes my last (laughs) list you guys (laughs) we're shooting them
2: down like nooks
0: (laughs) i'd love to see a reality where like data picks up this thing where it's like Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> and there's like an entire like scene of them just like sitting in the Picard's office, just like can we really intervene here in this rebel alliance thing? You know, the Federation won't allow it. And, like, them debate like, we can get involved with this Death Star and its plans, you know, even if it is to wipe out millions of people and, you know, they're all making their cases and, you know, well, we've got to help the people of Alderaan. Oh, well, but they don't, they're pre-warp civilization and, you know. <laughs> and then I wonder if they would have helped Obi-Wan Kenobi. Crosses the streams. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that uh, Picard like he goes to bat for each of his officers and I just think he that again puts him as a great leader and ship's captain. I he it's a great episode for Picard as well as for Data.
2: I concur. <laughs> So we should should we do honorable mentions, even though we shot yours out of the sky? <laughs> yeah, so,
1: well, I have more I could always say, but uh, give us an honorable mention, Lee.
0: Um, the Royale. It's so crazy. Like, this Pulp Fiction story brought to life. Um, yeah, I think it's, a lot of people kind of criticize it, but I always like when, um, I, I want to see a Star Trek t- Timeline where they kind of show the history of NASA that gets touched upon here and there in Star Trek. Um, we see it in the the awful Voyager episode, One Small Step, and we see some of it here in the Royale. Um, and I'd like to see kind of I like when they tie in Star Trek into NASA. I wish they did it maybe a bit more better if it was a bit more better than that but um yeah i I like when the real world space exploration is brought in Mm -hmm. and are we doing another is it just one on hold hold on
1: yeah i want to talk about the royale um i think that that one is it's memorable so you can't say it's bad because you remember it there's some episodes that you say a title and you're like what was that one no memory but this one is so unique it's so different it deserves a rewatch so i'm glad that you have it on your list
2: Yep, it's on mine as well as a memorable, uh, honorable mention as well. And uh, it's actually a victim of many memes for me. Because <laughs> it's, it's got uh, the, my favorite one is uh, when Riker holds up the NASA symbol, and, uh, and the meme that I have is Matt Damon has costed the United States such such money. Leave his, <laughs> leave his butt out in space. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I use that quite a bit whenever when anyone talks about Matt Damon, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I actually love this episode. This I'm actually surprised I didn't put it as my top three. Actually, um, but this episode reminds me so much obviously it's before but it's uh, it reminds you about a being or uh, about a being bottom bank and it's that's also one of my favorite episodes that I love rewatching over and over again and this episode is one of those ones that I like to rewatch quite a bit so.
1: i'm glad you mentioned that because i thought it was similar to that too but i didn't want to sound crazy so i'm glad i'm not crazy yeah, but know, yeah i did yeah. we did that on the from there to here rewatch we last did. year that's right yeah I forgot about was that. fun yeah
0: yeah yeah awesome <laughs> yeah
1: all right Lee. what's your other honorable mention or do you have another one didn't
0: yes i okay. do have another one um contagion um we were, we've spoken about uh how other episodes of um the next generation will kind of take things that were mentioned in season two and kind of run with it in later episodes. Reunion and... Um,
1: so remind us what Contagion uh, is again.
0: It, I was just building up okay. to Okay. So we've got episodes that kind of will tie into future episodes. So we've got um, Reunion will come later, Tapestry, and we've got um, Contagion where they go to the Iconian Gateway and then it pops up randomly in season four of Deep Space Nine in the most violent bloody episode of uh, Star Trek ever to the death and I like the idea that the Iconian you know this gateway that you know there's all these gateways that were dotted around the universe and I like that that gets picked up again in Star Trek Deep Space Nine I mean Star Trek too often was a bit kind of insular and it wouldn't kind of tie into the other shows as well as it could be they they wanted to stand on their own feet and not rely on the other shows for better or worse in a way I think it was kind of you know they nowadays is I would it would be much more different, but I think it's they you know obviously that's not what they wanted to do, and um, so I think the idea that they took the Iconian Gateway and they tied it into the 69 is is really cool, and that's another double bill that I think is pretty awesome. Richard Q who?
2: Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that goes without you know explanation on why why it should be a, a an honorable mention. First time we get to see the Borg ever, and of course it's to build up. That you know, first contact, best of both worlds. That you, I, I, I go on and on. <laughs> Guinan
1: in the queue. That's, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: think that I think, um, yeah, I think uh, everybody will agree with me on that.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Otherwise, that's that's it for me on my end. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, my list has been exhausted. Definitely. <laughs> so, well. Talking season two isn't the only topic we've been talking about here on the network. Here's a quick look at what you might've missed elsewhere on Trek FM.
2: Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. I open up the garment bag and I see this like red tunic, like this top, and I'm like, wait, this looks really familiar. So I try it all on, I try it on all the wardrobe, everything fits great. And I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, holy bleep. And I turned to the wardrobe supervisor. I said, is this Star Trek that I'm working on? To the journey! Leola is a substitute for any ingredient he doesn't have. No sugar? Leola root. Yeah. (laughs) No bananas? Leola root. No coffee? Leola 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 root. (laughs) Saturday morning Trek. Roddenberry uh, was very involved with First episode and for that episode we needed to come up with the derelict spaceship and as a result as the brand new guy on the on the crew <laughs> who had spaceships and stuff in his uh, portfolio i got the job of coming up with that ship stage nine a podcast about the people who make star trek
0: I mean, obviously, you have Nicholas Meyer writing for your Star Trek show. Is there any way that they're not going to be like, hey, Nick, you want to direct an episode? Because, I mean, like, would they, I mean, I cannot see any scenario in which they'd be like, I don't know, man. I don't know if he's right for this gig. And that's what else is happening on Trek.FM.
1: You can listen to every show on the network at trek.fm with links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. (laughs) This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPod, iPad, Kindle. Android, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com/trekfm. Thank you Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Gray, please consider becoming a patron of Trek FM. At patreon.com trek.fm, you can choose the pledge level and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. At the $5 a month level gets you into our patron zone. This is where you get exclusive content and access to our early release of our shows. At the $15 a month, you will get to participate in our monthly roundtables. These are so much fun, and that's where I got started on the network. At the $25 a month level, get you Associates Producer credits for any podcast you choose. And at this time, we would like to thank our current Patreon Associate Producers, Michael Huter and Justin Ozer. Thank you for supporting Earl Gray. Another way to help out the network and get cool stuff is to visit Redbubble at redbubble.com/shop/trekfm. You can find amazing designs for shirts, pillows, phone cases, and more. And with each purchase, a portion of the sales goes to Trek FM. To connect with other Trek FM listeners, you can join our Facebook discussion group called The Babel Conference. Search B-A-B-E-L on the Facebook field and you can uh, join in. You can also like the facebook.com slash Trek FM page for show updates and announcement. The network is also on Twitter at Trek FM. Now, if you would like to contact Lee, Richard, or Amy, that's me, visit trek.fm slash contact to send us a subspace message, or you can find us on social media. So Richard, where can people find you?
2: Well, they can find me on Facebook at the Babel Conference, where I pop in here and there. And when I reactivate it, uh, Twitter at XRansom
1: lee
0: what about yourself yeah you can find me on twitter at lee underscore nostromo um, you can also find me at star trek vhs sharing old school star trek vhs artwork you can find me on the filibuster podcast talking about movie geek and nerd culture um, and the glasgow's green football podcast Um but i'm more behind the scenes there and of course you can find me on the babel conference here and there
1: and you can find me on twitter at miss amy nelson and i tweet about what i'm watching and i really enjoy the babel conference on facebook as well so you can find me there to talk all things season two join us next time for another cup of earl gray
0: today is a good day to die they talk much yet say little
1: great joy and gratitude